One way to make more money with your store is to increase your average order value. The sales motivator from Bold might just be the one app that every store should have to increase AOV. The only requirement is that you have special offers. I'm sure you do, but are you doing a good job of motivating your customers to use those special offers? So let's say you offer free shipping at 50 bucks, or you're fancy and offer a free gift at $100. The sales motivator is the one app that tells your customers exactly how much more they need to spend to get to that offer. And it does it every time they add something to their cart. So imagine this, customer adds something to their cart and a message appears saying, you're only $19 away from free shipping. Then they add something else and it says, you're only four bucks away from free shipping. So we tried it, it works. We saw a 30% increase in average order size just from this app. And it gets better. Bold Sales Motivator automatically adds those free gifts to the cart when they hit the goal. And it lets you schedule messages to start and stop for your holiday promotions. And the most important one of all, it adds geolocation. So it'll only show certain messages to specific countries. So let's say you only offer free shipping in the United States, right? You wouldn't want that free shipping message to show in countries where you don't offer it. Bold Sales Motivator lets you do that. The folks at Bold are smart cookies, and they have thought of everything. So try it free for 60 days by signing up at ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO. The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Well, people love the shit talking. <laughs> and, and you know what? I really like the, 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 the conversation about gurus. Oh, and, uh, yeah, that was great. Quick, especially in the agency world, you know, right now they're you know, pretty much like, you know, become a millionaire, you know, by, you know, running Facebook ads or, or, or Google ads, drive a Lamborghini and like agency is like so easy because right now, actually, it'll be 10 years this spring since I'm doing this. And it's not that easy. Like I, I still don't have a Lambo, you know, and I'm, I don't, you know, sit on the beach drinking mojitos all day. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, and someone asked me. An interesting, it was my birthday yesterday, and someone asked me an interesting question. They said, "When you were this friend of mine texted me, he said, 10 years ago, would you have pictured your life as it is now?'" I said, "No. Ten years ago, I thought in ten years I would." Um, I would just be independently wealthy and drive a car where the doors go up and, and be like a playboy. 
And then the reality is I live in the suburbs. I have three kids and I am tremendously happy and successful, but it's not like the, the exterior idea of a, this is what successful entrepreneurship looks like, like the Silicon Valley concept. I agree. Um, so I agree. You, uh, you drove in joining us in studio, our first in studio guest. I am thrilled to have you, Mr. Tom Bukovicius. How do you say? I know I, yeah, I've known Buka you for years now. It just is just remember the the you know vicious Tom. You know vicious. Yes, <laughs> very vicious. One of the nicest people I know. So Buka vicious. Okay, all right. I always second guess it. Uh, and sir, you run a Chicago Google AdWords agency that I have referred many folks to because we don't do Google AdWords. I know the importance of Google AdWords. I also know how tremendously complex and difficult it is to master Google AdWords. So we're going to play in our sandbox at Facebook, and we just decided not to mess with Google AdWords ourselves. So I've referred several clients to you. All have had great experiences. Clearly, you know what you're doing. Um, and I Thank wanted to, to bring you here and, A, first ask, ask our, our listener questions of you about Google AdWords. I, if you're not in our Facebook group, um, join. I had posted up yesterday and said, hey, what do you want to know about Google AdWords? I will ask my expert guest. So I've got, I want to run through a few of those with you now. And then uh, you put together a wonderful outline for me on, hey, Google Ads is different than ever before. Here's how you adapt for success in 2019, what to do and what not to do. So we'll, we'll go through that as well. Uh, fine, sir. What is the name of your ad agency? Scoob Marketing. Spell it. S-C-U-B-E. S-Cube. Scoob. 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 Think of this like just uh, kind of like, uh, you know, um, just a short name, Scoob. It's like almost like um, when we get to a certain point, when we reach a lot of success, when we become a household name, uh, we would love uh, to, you know, to use this as a verb. You know, let's Scoob your marketing, which is improve it. <laughs> there you go. I, You know what? It always... I, I had an affinity for it just because it, it always made me think of my beloved Subaru STI. Oh, here that we I go. owned a decade ago now. Actually, there, there are a couple of bad variations that I don't like. So one is the Scooby or, or like a Scuba. So, so we are associated with the Scuba diving. <laughs> and also another one, which is uh, some people like to say Scooby, which is uh, similar to Scooby-Doo. Uh, I used to watch Scooby-Doo when I was growing up. Uh, Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Lithuania. Um, when I, and I came here as a teenager uh, when I was uh, 16 years old. So I spent more life here in the U- U.S., but uh, but still uh, in the U.S. I think there was a, I think yeah, we had like satellites, TV, and I think that, uh, well, Cartoon Network was available pretty much like globally. So I used to watch that. I used to watch Dexter's Laboratory, uh, uh, Tom and Jerry. Uh, sometimes they would do these marathons. I used to love that. And of course, Scooby-Doo. Was it in English or was it in Lithuania? No, no, English. Everything was in English. So okay. it was like a satellite. So when you think about satellite, oh, okay. So you could have like you know like five German channels, like a bunch of UK channels, some US channels, um, you know Polish channels, like you know Turkish channels, like so like that satellite. I think we had like over a hundred channels, but all of these channels were pretty much like from all over the world, and it was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, for example, like watching Terminator in German. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty, you know, w- when you heard that, for example, you know, in one language or another, and back then it, it was in high school, I was actually listening to, well, I was trying to learn German. It was a good learning experience just because, you know, certain things that, that you learn at school, you, you're, you know the movie, so you're seeing the, the exact same action or the same dialogue just in a completely different language. 
I have done that with uh, Spanish films. Yeah. Or like watching movies in Spanish. I yeah, am. It's helpful. I, I'm, I'm Latino. I'm one fourth Mexican. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Nobody knows that. Do you speak the, uh, any Spanish? No. And it's a horrible reason why. My mother's fluent. And when I was a kid, I did not speak until I was three. Okay. And uh, they w- took me to doctors, and the doctors are like, well, he's probably special. So, um, and this being the 80s, they literally used the R word at the time. Um, so it, don't teach him two languages because it's just going to make your life harder. Ah, interesting. Yeah. And that's like literally one of my biggest regrets is that I don't, I am not fluent in Spanish. Okay. I can get by, but it's not great. Tom, first question we got was from a, a gentleman, Tom Brown from Posted Protein, who uh, has been on the show and a wonderful man. He asks, what's the best tool or app to automate the setup in, con- in optimization of Google ads, such as uh, an app like Kobero or Storia? So I'm somewhat familiar um, with uh, Kobero or Kobero. Um, I wouldn't say that, at least my personal take, and uh, I could be a little bit biased because I do this for a living. But I would say that uh, um, if you can, uh, try to stay away from a complete automation just because you need to be strategic with uh, your marketing. So I wouldn't say that you should be using, let's say, an app that completely automates this. I know that there's an app for Google Shopping that pretty much uh, Shopify has integrated with, and uh, they use that for smart shopping campaigns. That could be a good start. But other than that, if you're trying to automate, I would say maybe go don't necessarily go to a third-party app. See if you can maybe use some of the automated features um, and specifically directly in Google. And the main reason for that is that they have the best uh, AI and uh, machine learning in the world. You know, a lot of people from the SEO world talk about the rank brain, but the same thing happens with the Google Ads platform. And and um, that, uh, that would be my take because when you think about any third-party app, it might be useful, but at the same time, Google, like it's nowhere close as to Google. Um, and and uh, I would say start with Google, and or at least start with that app, um, uh, which is uh, Google Shopping or Smart Google Shopping campaigns for Shopify. Uh, install that, maybe start it at a low budget. If you see success, then bring it down to directly into Google interface. Maybe use some of the automated features. But at the same time, don't forget that uh, you need to be strategic and you need to reach a certain level of control in your advertising just because robots still don't have the context. They do have a lot of um, useful information. They can crunch data quickly, but sometimes there's a simple context, there's a market knowledge, and typically they're not going to do that yet. Uh, and and um, that's my take. Rory Orchard asked three questions, several questions, and I'm going to treat these. These three uh, are lightning round questions. I want these answers in 30 seconds or less. How do you ensure you're getting real cost per purchase statistics? Real? How do you ensure? Yes. He says, re- yeah, it's kind of an open-ended question. Real cost per purchase stats, question mark? Okay. So um, I was wondering if uh, he's looking for examples or, or well, let's, let's figure out how to calculate that. So first of all, you want to make sure that you have a uh, conversion tracking in place, number one. And uh, number two, the way you can uh, figure out what the uh, conversions are is essentially uh, uh, divide the cost that you have spent for let's say all of your campaigns or particular campaign, divide that by the number of uh, transactions that you have gotten from that. And that would be the cost per conversion. Okay. Uh, Give me your top two tips to ensure budget efficiency. Okay, so... To maximize my budget. um, First of all, eliminate uh, any wasted budget. And I would say start with uh, search terms. Uh, Eliminate any search terms that uh, don't make any sense. 
uh, and specifically, um, you're going to get into the uh, wrong match types, which um, wrong keyword match types more specifically that typically um, match your ads to the keywords that have uh, the wrong intent or, you know, pretty much that is essentially irrelevant traffic. Go so, through those. Okay, go ahead. Uh, and and uh, either ensure that you have the correct match types. So, you know, instead of going broad, you know, go to towards more specific. Um, and uh, two, um, identify any broad match that, broad match um, or identify any keyword cat uh, search term categories uh, that don't make any sense and then turn them into negative keywords. So that's one big area. Negative keywords. is It's like a level 100 thing that a lot of people miss or don't know about. But it's basically you put in keywords that say, if the search contains these, it's not relevant to me. I don't want to see it. That's correct. Okay. And we take it to the next level. Um, categorize your negative search, uh, your, your negative keywords by category. F specifically, for example, if you're selling... Um, if you, for example, sell, selling a certain type of product, but at the same time you don't sell a product that is made out of a specific type of material, get a you know negative keyword list that lists all different types of materials that you don't actually sell and apply it to all of your campaigns. This will help you to streamline everything across the account level and ensure that you don't get any get any irrelevant traffic from search or shopping ads. And to um, to get the come up with the negative keyword lists. Um, if you Google negative keyword list, you'll find a bunch of examples. Like I have not implemented a Google AdWords campaign in at least five years. Um, and I, you know what? I don't regret it. It's so complicated and hard. But I do remember finding these, these negative keyword lists. Uh, and lastly, Rory's third question. Um, I remember he says, any interesting or new displays that Google's introducing? So I assume this is referring to like ad format. Yes, so so a couple of new things, and, and I'll cover them in a little bit more detail uh, in this podcast, but um, there are responsive display ads, which are really, really cool. Now, what Google does is that uh, you can actually upload a certain components of the ads instead of just, let's say, uh, instead of designing you know a bunch of uh, banner ads from scratch and, and hiring a designer, uh, what you can do is you can upload certain elements, for example, the main uh, image in two different formats. Typically, it's kind of like a widescreen format and then uh, a square version. Then you upload your logo, and then you upload some text uh, with some call to actions. And and with within all of that, Google takes that information and then it translates into any type of format that you want automatically based on that site, based on the placement mm. that you're advertising on. That's really cool. Now, one side to that is that sometimes these ads look pretty ugly, depending on because like the robot is deciding on yes. what they should do. But on the other hand. Uh, what we have seen is that we have seen some pretty good results from the client side in terms of the cost per conversion and uh, the you know uh, the, the the number of conversions, which is helpful. So it sounds like the consumers are okay with that. F from the design perspective, it's not perfect, but it can save you a ton of time because you don't have to you know come up with let's say ten different ad formats. You know because designer will have to you know design them you know one by one. You know go through the creative process. So if you want to streamline certain, you know, streamline the whole creation process or at least, you know, speed up your your launch time, um, test those uh, dis responsive display ads. There's a beta for search ads as well. What you can do is you can upload 5 to 15 headlines, 2 to 4 descriptions, and based on certain artificial intelligence algorithms, uh, Google will display those uh, search ads that you'll see pretty much like that you see across the board uh, automatically based on what they think will match to, for example, a search uh, term or based on what they think will be most relevant for that particular person who's searching. So uh, this is new. Not every account has that yet. Uh, 
Not sure how well it performs because we haven't tested much yet. So, so I th- it sounds like the approach here is, hey, you could design an ad for every single format and it will take forever. Or you can have a single well-designed ad that will be illegible on several uh, display types. Or you could just let Google figure it out for you and then see what if it performs well and then invest the time into it. Yep. Okay, good. Uh, Frederick Dwayne Anderson asks, and I don't know if you know this one, it may be open-ended, how do I optimize the Google Smart Shopping app for Shopify? Okay, so... And this is a this is a product listing ad tool, right? Yes. Okay. So, so what it does is that it... So Google... Well, so last year, Google came out with uh, Smart Shopping Campaigns, uh, which is essentially, it's, you know, machine learning driven uh, campaign type. Um, and and uh, Shopify, you know, integrates directly through that. So you don't have to create a shopping feed. You don't have to pretty much do anything. So within that, uh, you know, within that app, all you do is pretty much like set the budget and then let Google figure that out. So unfortunately, since this is artificial, pretty much intelligence based, uh, you know, type of campaign, um, you cannot really optimize that. You are relying 100% on machine learning. So what they do is they automate your bidding, they automate your placements, they automate your ads, they pretty much like automate everything. So if you're happy with the performance, use it or at least maybe use it as a proof of concept to start with manual campaigns for certain segments. Um, otherwise, if it's not working, well, then there's no way to optimize and then go the manual mode and you know be strategic where you have to really think and choose, all right, do I have a good chance of selling that particular product uh, you know, within the shopping platform? Or not, right? And then based on that, you know, choose your own parameters. But within that app, the answer would be no, just because you're pretty much giving all the keys to Google to figure out. Which is still better than nothing and a good way to validate if it's like this is a channel that works. Yes. Because we, had, we've had decent success um, with those, uh, with that system, and then using that to, quick, to be able to get the catalog into Google and then run dynamic remarketing ads. Yep, because... Another actually useful thing of you know the, those ad types is that you're combining two different types of ads, which is one is you know your your prospecting campaigns on on search, but then you, you also have an automated uh, uh, dynamic uh, remarketing campaigns, which are based on your website behavior. So it co- combines everything for you. So it's kind of like a turnkey operation. Um, but I think it's as I said, if you want to take it to the next level, you'll still need to find a way to pretty much like use it manually for the areas that work well. Okay, uh, Louis, I'm man. Luis Morales asks a question that is so good, but also so open-ended and so complicated, I am scared to ask it. Okay. So you're going to have to focus on giving, and take a time to think about it, because we could just edit that chunk out. Simple, he writes, simple question, but hard to execute. How do you start a campaign from scratch properly? By this, I mean day zero. What are best practices, especially for non-brand keywords? Do you, and then he ask some leading questions. Do you start off broad matchy keywords and then narrow down to exact? What metrics drive your decisions? And how does the conversion window change over time? This is a tough one. We can spend 30 minutes here. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with the objectives. Um, uh, first of all, yeah, before you launch any campaign, you want to figure out what the objectives are. And then based on that, you want to know uh, or you want to calculate uh, what the expectations, what KPIs would you want to have based on your objectives? So I'll give you a quick example. Let's take like a bigger example. So uh, let's say if uh, you, you take your website data and if you take your objective. So let's start with uh, your your objective. So for example, if you're trying to reach thirty thousand dollars a month in revenue with three hundred percent return ad spend, uh, 
that's kind of like where you're trying to reach, right? You also have some business inputs that you really have to think about your website itself, right? So let's say your average order value is 150, right? Your uh, conversion rate is 2% across the site, and then uh, your click-through rate is about 2% if you take other campaigns that you're measuring. So based on that, what you can do is you can actually calculate the KPIs that you should be tracking towards to achieve that ob objective given the, your business inputs. So for example, in this particular case, to achieve your objective, you'll need to spend, let's say, $10,000 uh, to get to you know, 30K revenue. Uh, you'll have to get 200 customers and at the cost per acquisition at 50 bucks. And in order to do that, you'll have to show your ad pretty much 500,000 times, get 10,000 clicks, and you cannot pay more than a dollar per click on average. Now, once you figure that out, you kind of know, you know which way you may, may be going. Then based on that, trying to figure out um, your, your keywords, where can you get that traffic? Because the challenge sometimes becomes is, you may want to target a certain traffic in a, pretty much like a certain category, but the cost per click is too expensive. So you need to get that traffic that costs up to, let's say, a dollar on average in order for you to make that sense. So that go leads to keyword research. You do your keyword research. So you identify different, uh, uh, different customer segments or product segments or product type segments that you can go after. And then based on that, you want to ensure that you actually segment everything out so you can actually make a better decision going forward. So I'll, I'll be a little bit more specific. So for example, if you're selling a, I don't know, let's say if you're selling a, you know, some outdoor equipment, you know, for, for your backyard, for example, you know, you know, it could be like expensive grills, you know, you know, oven, pizza ovens, things like that. Uh, within your keyword list, within your keyword ideas of your keyword list, you can actually break everything down into commercial ovens, for example, or commercial grills, right? Then break it down into residential. You can have, uh, let's say, you know, do-it-yourself kits, uh, and within those, you can actually have different keyword themes uh, based on, you know, based on the search intent. You know, if somebody's looking for reviews, or if somebody's looking for just initial ideas, or if somebody is looking to maybe, uh, you know, for a comparison. Based on that, um, within your ad, within your campaign, break those different themes down into different ad groups. So once you run those ads, it will help you. And this may sound a little bit uh, technical. Uh, once you you know start running those ads, uh, later you'll be able to start start seeing which ad groups are performing okay, which ones are not. Okay, so that's keyword research and kind of campaign structure segmentation part. Now the next campaign uh, to answer the specific question about let's say uh, different keyword match types, what we like to do is we like to focus on a combination of two things. One is use exact match keywords uh, for the keywords that we have selected, and also use broad match modified uh, keyword match types in order to give it a bit bigger kind of like picture of the to attract traffic from a bigger theme, which is we're not going too broad, but we're being broad, but a little bit specific where we have to have a specific word combination, let's say three words within that uh, search term. One, and, and that's that type of approach we would like to apply across all different uh, ad groups. When that piece is done, ensure that you go through the settings and I'm not going to cover settings in too much detail because we can spend a lot of time on that. But those within those settings, ensure that actually the traffic that you have intended is actually the traffic that you're trying to reach. Um, because Google has a lot of hidden settings that can screw up your traffic. And, and uh, you may be thinking you're targeting one type of person. In reality, you're targeting completely different. So once that is done, um, ensure that your bids are not too high within that uh, KPI calculation. Start with a lower bid, and then launch. And if, oh, one more thing, 
add your negative keywords. You can right. actually find some lists. We need those negative keywords. Yes, you can find some lists that you know for sure that will not be working. But then after you launch those campaigns, you want to go through your search term reports and actually identify what exact search terms your ads are triggering so you can actually add them later. And use your uh, negative keyword lists, not just uh, negative keywords at the campaign level. Because once you get like a thousand negative keywords, it'll be tough to manage them. You won't know, you know, what you have excluded and whatnot. And uh, that will help you to stay organized and at the same time um, be much better in, in, in uh, you know, running your campaigns. And of course, finally, within those segments that I've mentioned before, make sure that you write the ads that speak directly to the audience and the buyer intent of that uh, uh, person. So in some cases, you can be uh, focusing on people who are in uh, awareness stage. In some cases, it could be consideration or in some cases it could be the decision stage. So make sure that your ad angle and the offer really applies uh, to what that person, pretty much like where that person's uh, intent is. So you have a much higher chance of converting that person into a customer. Okay. I would like to stop here <laughs> because otherwise yeah. we can expand into each little bit. But component. no, that was good. That was a, a good primer on it. I'm impressed. Hold up. We'll hear more after this quick break. Support for this podcast comes from Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your Shopify store. It works with your existing email and chat tools, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler provides on-demand, U.S.-based customer service specialists to answer your customers' most common questions. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat with 24-7 Simpler specialists. Find out more at simpler.ai. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I. And now back to the show. Hit me. Uh, I have I have my own two quick questions, and then we'll we'll dive into um, the the larger topic at hand. What's the number one mistake people make with Google Ads? Okay, so it's a little bit broad and it's a bit strategic. It's um, marketers don't pivot strategically enough. So here's what I mean with pivot. Uh, some marketers try something, you know, try Google ads too quickly. You know, they will run it for two weeks and they will say, you know what, it's not working. But typically what we mm -hmm. notice is that they make a lot of mistakes in the execution piece. Sometimes they make a lot of mistakes from the strategy perspective. One, let's say, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're targeting people in the awareness stage with an offer from the decision stage. Uh, it's going to be tough to do that. And sometimes they even assume that. So it's overlooking the funnel. Yes. Okay. That's one thing. And the other thing is that they don't evaluate or reevaluate their strategy often enough. Sometimes they just, you know, have one strategy and then just like they'll go with it like for the next five years. Um, we like to look at into the strategy at least as, uh, about every 90 days and really see how is our targeting going? Is it working? Are we achieving our objectives? Same thing with the ad angles. Are we achieving our objectives or not? And then what are the other ideas? What are the other ways that we can improve the situation? So every time when you review that, when you uh, use the, the actual metrics to make your decisions, uh, you know, at least every 90 days, then you can actually uh, course correct and you can change, you know, make different decisions in order to improve the situation. Okay, makes sense. Uh, and then this is one I get a lot. Um, and I wonder this myself. I don't know what the right answer is. What's a reasonable budget to start experimenting with Google Shopping ads, and what's um, what's really what's the the minimum I could spend and expect to see results? It's a great question. Um, my question to you uh, is always, what is your expectation from that uh, objective? So, and well, so I'll tell you, I want to, I want to see a two x return on ad spend. 
So I'm I'm, I'm breaking even, but I'm acquiring. For most people, it's I'm breaking even, but I'm acquiring customers. Yep. Like if I saw that, that's a great place to start. I agree. Uh, how many cust- uh, or how many conversions would you be expecting? <laughs> that's really because like you know what does the result mean? You know, is it results meaning you know getting one conversion to validate that you could actually you know sell one item, or is it you know getting twenty conversions or fifty conversions or a hundred conversions? Well, so and that's why I focus on return on ad spend. Yes. But uh, conversions plus the return ad spend, that's how I li- like to look at because then we factor in the average order value. Then we can uh, go back to the calculation that I mentioned before. And we actually developed a tool, um, and I'm you know happy to share this with the audience if needed. So it's a pretty much like Google Sheets-based tool where you can plug in the numbers. You can plug in your budget. We can plug in like those business inputs and your objectives. And based on that, you can figure out the rest. So, so uh, but... Without that tool, to answer your question, would be to figure out how many conversions within a certain or how many conversions revenue and return ad spends you're trying to get, and then based on that, figure out look at two factors. One is uh, how uh, uh, what is the average cost per click uh, in my industry or my target audience for that particular product or product group, and the other thing is that what is my website conversion rate. Based on that, you can actually reverse back the math and calculate uh, the budget for the expectation. Now, that will be as a hypothesis, right? You'll need to run those ads and really test it if things will pretty much be based on your calculations. But that's how I would calculate because it's very subjective. You know, if I if I will tell you it's a thousand bucks, well, you know, if if you're selling high end products or if you're selling you know t-shirts, the thousand dollars will have a, a big big difference in terms of the uh, results and, and the budgets too right because the cost per acquisition will be very significant significantly different to be exact okay that, that <laughs> it answers my question I cert- I do want to um, dive into I, w- I want to share that um, spreadsheet you mentioned in the show notes so hopefully one of us remembers you could send it to me I'll add the link um, all right tell me what's new in Google Ads in the past year what's new and different because I don't look at the thing all the time so let's start with kind of like a big preface of, of what Google has been doing uh, over the past year. So you know, as, as in many past few years, Google has been expanding their efforts on the artificial intelligence and machine learning. And, and um, what they're trying to do is they're trying to streamline their interface and also trying to make the life of the advertiser much easier. And uh, what we have noticed is that they're trying to make their interface, I guess, more accessible to more general audiences. So, you know, not necessarily to, let's say, drive out the, the agencies out of this picture, but at the same time, they're trying to scale, right? Right. You know, they have millions of advertisers, so they're they're trying to, you know, and not everybody can afford to hire an agency. Plus, the, the learning curve is pretty complex. So they're trying to kind of meet, you know, find like a good middle point when, uh, you know, trying to simplify the interface, plus introduce a bunch of tools that... Uh, use big data, artificial intelligence, machine learning to make uh, your life easier. So they can make some of those decisions on your behalf. And I'll share some specific areas under um, a few, you know, pretty much under a few different uh, kind of like subtopics that uh, I have here uh, today uh, for you. But uh, but that's kind of like the big picture of where they're going. So when uh, I log into Google AdWords, the I wanted to experiment with it um, to promote my wife's brand with YouTube ads, had to sign into AdWords. And I was like, oh, no, the interface looks completely different because yes. I had opened into, logged into a new account. Clearly, I was seeing what looked like, hey, here's the easy mode version yes, as opposed to the old, complicated, like, endless tabs version I was used to. Yes. Okay. And can I still go back to the old, the endless tabs version? Not anymore. Uh, so no. 
Yes. And a lot of our marketers hate it. So initially, uh, I don't remember the exact date. We dates. hate change. Yes. <laughs> so initially, you, you, uh, so when they introduced the new interface, you could actually switch back and forth. And what happened was actually uh, one, one of our team members, he, he really loved the, the old interface. And then like there were, it was like essentially an expiration date for that old interface. And like they just like immediately switched and he's like, now it's taking me so much more time to, to do it just because it's, uh, you know, it's a new interface. Because certain items, you know, were moved and, and uh, now it's just, you know, sometimes it just takes more time to, to find that. Now it's it's been you know at least six months uh, since the you know pretty much like or six months to a year since uh, the new interface uh, has been pretty much like adapted uh, you know by by, by mar marketers so by this time everybody kind of knows uh, where things are at but yeah so it did require some changes so I got to uh, relearn this thing is what I'm hearing uh, yes uh, <laughs> but okay. if, if you're a newbie it, it's probably a little bit easier to learn that just yes. because it's oh, more user yeah. friendly absolutely compared to where it was. Um, I am fascinated by this idea that they're focusing on AI and machine learning. Um, and then that was your other point, right? Yes. And then your third point was? Uh, uh, so another interesting point was, uh, so consumer path to purchase is becoming much more complex. So that's kind of like- How so? Hmm? How so? So you, you don't just, you know, click on the ad and buy the product. Right. Right, you have Amazon, which is you know the big gorilla, right? So you may consider overall, like just in e-commerce, you know, in the e-commerce world, sometimes if it's a, you know, if, if you're if you're not selling a novelty or a unique product, um, you may be questioning: Should I buy this directly from the retailer or or a brand website, uh, or should it just go on Amazon? Right. So that's one dimension. The other dimension is that uh, people are using a lot of different devices, right? You're not using your desktop anymore for shopping. So you may find some, uh, you know, you, you you may be doing your research on a mobile device while you're on a train or, you know, while you're, you know, eating your lunch or even in your bed, which is kind of like a new thing, right? You know, it's a, you know, you wake up, you take your mobile device, you know, you go to sleep with your mobile device. Yep. Um, so that part is changing. So there are multiple touch points before a conversion happens. So what Google has started doing is that they have started moving towards the audience targeting. So what does that mean? So used to focus just, you know, like they used to focus, like it started as like search ads and actually they changed their name last year. So it was Google AdWords. Now they're called Google ads and they made the, ch the, the name changed actually based on those factors. So um, it's not just about the keywords, right? So they started using artificial intelligence and machine learning to create new audiences. And it's becoming more similar. Some of the targeting is becoming much more similar uh, as Facebook ads. So we can probably relate to, you know, certain things that, you know, for example, um, um, there are uh, customer match audiences that are essentially custom audiences in Facebook. There are similar audiences that are the same thing as lookalike audiences in Facebook. Now, on top of that, they're introducing some other things, which is in-market audiences. Uh, so this is really cool concept because what happens is that Google takes a lot of data from their properties and then they essentially categorize people into different uh, in-market audiences. So, for example, uh, you may be shopping. Um, so, let's say if you start shop, you know, if you start typing in different keywords, watching different videos, or even going on different websites for a particular product, Google may categorize you. Let you know, let's say for example, you may be looking for bridal wear or you know, baby toddler apparel or, or minivan, right? Well, all of that could probably indicate that you're trying to start a family, <laughs> right. but, but, okay. but they have uh, over 500 categories in uh, this area and you can actually layer those audiences within your search campaign. So in other words, 
not just based on keywords, but based on a bunch of factors at multiple touch points, Google can tell that you are in a market for a particular product or service. So we're catching up to the joy of Facebook ads, which is those um, affinity audiences and those various ca- like crazy categories, and they have them for all kinds of segments depending on what you're looking for. Yes. Okay. So you can apply this cool. for search, which is really, really interesting. Yep. Then, um, so, but it's part of like keyword search. So is it like, you know, I only want, uh, show my ad to someone searching for Disney World vacation, but only if they're in the moms with kids audience. So you can layer audiences, which is interesting. So you can choose one area, right? So you can, you can say, all right, um, I can focus only on the keyword, on the search terms. And let's be more specific. There's a difference between a keyword and a search term. Are you familiar with those? No, I'm actually okay. not. Okay. Okay, I'm going to learn So here's something. an interesting, okay, so a lot of people like to say that, you know, those are keywords, right? But actually, what you're really targeting is search terms. So a search term is what people type in into Google, for example, or YouTube. It's actually that search query, right? Those words that people are using, right? A keyword is actually how you target the search term because you can have keywords with different match types. So in other words, um, you know, if you type in, let's say, dog collars, you know, if it's a broad match, you can be pretty much like targeting, you know, dog harnesses, dog leashes. It may not be the same thing, right? Now you can actually use a phrase match dog collar. So so that that really shows that, you know, a phrase, a search term that, you know, is presented in a phrase in that, that specific order has to be shown within the ad. I already remember, now I'm start, this is coming back to me, the horror of the various match types in setting up your Google AdWords keywords. And oh my gosh, I just, I already want to just throw money at you to do this for me. Yes. It's so, so complicated. It is. So so you want to make sure that you really understand that because if you're mistakenly believe that, let's say you do, you've done your keyword research and you just plugged in those keywords without considering the match type, what's going to happen is that your account you will blow up. waste a lot of money? You'll waste a lot of money. And we have seen a lot of cases where sometimes we save like 50% of the budget just because it was just like you're targeting anything and everything that is not even relevant. So you want that laser focus. It's yes. like, sounds like step one. It's figure out that laser focus. Yep. You okay. got to do that for sure. Um, and so in terms of that, that relevant traffic, that laser focus, um, we want to, we don't want to, we don't want to treat all traffic the same. Yes. And that's, what's tough with Google ads for me in the past. So how, like, cause someone doing, you know, maybe I'm just researching a product. Sure. Maybe I'm simply curious about a product. Or maybe I'm like, all right, I am ready. I got my my wallet out. I am ready to buy. Like yep. those are three completely different things, right? Yes. Or I'm looking. F- I've already bought. Now I'm looking for accessories related to related to my new hobby. Yep. And we got four categories now. The post purchase adds one. Um, how do we segment? That's buyer intent. How do we segment our campaigns by buyer intent? If we don't want to treat them all the same. So uh, the best way is to you know which search terms you're targeting and pretty much which search terms have a, you know, categorize your search term based on the intent. So uh, give me an example, let's say, of a business. We're going to go, all right, so I, I recently bought and love uh, my my drone, my quad rotor. So now, you know, I, I researched it for months in advance. I made the purchase, um, researched the best deal once I decided on which drone, and then after the fact, naturally had to buy a bunch of accessories. Okay. So Good. there's our working example. Okay, so... So probably maybe, you, you know, when you started your research, you were probably were in the kind of like awareness stage, right? So yes. you did not know what type of drone you were looking for, right? Correct. So maybe at this point, we can start with like something broader. And, and this can apply actually both to shopping and uh, search campaigns. 
So maybe you can start with drones or you can start with like certain drone categories, right? Um, so that, that would be one type. So you know that a group of keywords within that area do represent the awareness stage. So we're going to bucket them into an ad group and we like to label them actually. We, t we like to you know use the parentheses and say like A uh, and then a theme, right? But we know that the fact that actually you are in the research phase, at least at this point. Next, when you start doing some a bit, a bit more research, then you can probably get into different brand comparisons or you may be looking for you know, different drone reviews, right? That is the consideration stage. So you would like to bucket a group of keywords you know, for that particular theme into another ad group. Now, a third option would probably be like a specific model or maybe a coupons um, or discount codes for that specific model or specific brand. That's kind of like the decision stage because you already know, like instead of going from drones, you already know like, I forgot the name of the you know the, the brand and model that you have, but essentially you know exactly what you want, right? Yeah. So you're probably looking into that area, and then, then of course the, the 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 last one would probably be a brand name and uh, accessories or like accessory types that you're purchasing. So yeah. that would be kind of like the post purchase uh, phase. So all of that needs uh, need, all of those components need to be categorized into different ad groups because the reason why you're doing that is actually uh, there are a couple of reasons. So the first reason is that the ad at the awareness stage will be completely different from the ad uh, at the post-purchase or even decision stage, right? Because in one area, you're trying to categorize, you know, and, and actually appeal to somebody who has no idea what they're looking for. And on the other hand, you know, you're trying to go after maybe features and benefits while well, you're comparing or maybe offering a deal for that specific person. So that's one side. The other side is that you'll notice a completely different uh, performance. So if you notice that, for example, one particular ad group works well, you can actually separate it out into a separate campaign. And if you, let's say the cost per acquisition and return ad spend is actually acceptable, you can actually scale that campaign. You can actually drive more traffic up the budget for that campaign. There's another dimension oh, no, within those worse. ad groups. And that is the bid. Typically, the conversion rate at the awareness stage is much lower, right? So you, have to, you want to control that. And you want to pretty much like make sure that you're maybe let's say you're uh, paying let's say a quarter of what you would be you would be paying for someone you know to get somebody in the decision stage, because when you think about the cost you know acquisition cost, it's pretty much like the cost per click times conversion rate, right? So let's say if you're trying to acquire you know I know like how much you paid for your drone like a thousand bucks. Nah, I got a little one. It was three sixty. Okay, three. Let's say three sixty. So let's say assuming let's say if you want to get like two hundred percent return in ad spend. So you can probably acquire that drone for let's say 180 or less, right? Yeah. So maybe a conversion rate for you know the that stage will be let's say you know half a percent or one state you know one percent. Therefore, your cost per click has to be much lower, right? Alternatively, if you're converting at like five or six percent, um, your cost per click could be a lot higher, right? You would still back into the same customer, uh, well, uh, actually customer acquisition cost or you know cost per you know cost per transaction. Does that make sense? Yes. So once I've got, um, I want to have a clear vision of who my customer is. I want to then segment that, that customer as to where they are in the buying cycle. And this is a lot of like psychology and research that's going into it. I want to make sure my campaigns are clearly labeled and grouped nicely in Google AdWords. That's really going to make it a lot easier to maintain, to uh, revise, update, report on, etc. And once I've got all those ads in there, Walk me through ad testing, like because a lot of times it's like, okay, I made, the, I know what I'm doing, I know who I'm targeting, I got my negative keywords in, I'm going to put my ads in, and I'm running them. Well, now what? Right. So uh, we like to start with. So we we like to recommend a couple 
things. So one is that you want to use two to three ads per ad group so you can actually test you know, different variations and, and really understand. But here's a mistake that a lot of people like to make. Uh, uh, they don't like to <laughs> they make. Like to make. <laughs> yeah, I love this mistake. But they do make, unfortunately. A common mistake. <laughs> uh, and that is uh, they like to just kind of like focus on features or they like to test like micro uh, like micro differences in, in the ads, you know. Uh, you know, let's have an ad with a dot or let's have like, you know, something kind of generic, right? <laughs> Who cares about that? Right. What we like to do is we like to, when we th when you think about like the actual testing flow, we like to uh, think about three big components. So one is that who is your audience? So we briefly talked about those audiences at different stages of the buying cycle, right? So then you have to have a, you have to map a particular offer for that buyer's stage, right? So if, if it's the awareness you know, a call to action may be different from the consideration stage or decision stage. So that's one. So you want to test, like within your testing, you want to kind of like map those out. Then within that offer, uh, you want to have a different ad angle. So what do I mean by different ad angle? So it's a different approach of how you would, you would appeal to that particular person. So I'll give you a few examples. So you could be testing, instead of just, you know, testing small differences, test things like feature versus benefit in the headline. Big difference, right? Right. Um, huge, huge difference. Exactly. Uh, sell value versus cost savings or kind of like a discount. Um, you know, customer, uh, let's say social proof, which is, you know, 500 reviews, you know, on Amazon or versus a specific testimonial, like a, you know, short quote, things like that. When you test bigger things, this will help you to really visualize and really understand what resonates uh, for your audiences. Now, there are some tools that we use. For example, there's a tool called Adalysis, which helps us to break down the ad components and pretty much like pull in the performance of different ad components. So then we can actually pull in and say, like, here's the different headline. Here's, let's say, a different, let's say, offer or different snippet of the ad. And then here's the conversion rate. Here's the cost per acquisition. Here's the click-through rate and all of the other stuff. And then this really shows us, like, what really resonates with the audience. We can say, all right, well, maybe, a, you know, price starting at XX, you know, doesn't work well as you know as well as like a benefit you know but this helps us to kind of pull everything together and then make a decision say you know what this type of angle works very well with this stage therefore we're going to apply it to a bunch of campaigns so does that answer your question yes and it sounds like um so what most people are doing is they come up with one ad and they go eh, like you know this works okay i'm gonna i'm gonna be a smart marketer i'm gonna test different ads and they change like a word and yes. they change punctuate. They don't change the core idea. Um, whereas what I, uh, what we do and what we do like with Facebook ads is we run through and write a whole bunch of different headlines based on copywriting formulas. And I will link to um, Joanna Wiebe's amazing Ultimate Guide to No Pain Copywriting that has a ton of these formats for you so you don't waste time. Good. Um, and then those, uh, you know, we see which performs best. And then, okay, once we get, we start going, all right, this I you know this style this format works or this concept works and then you start not testing different versions of that same thing you go further into that that category so if you're like all right uh, benefits sell better than features okay so now let's start running through all my benefits uh, and oh wow these social proof ads seem to be doing really well okay let's try a bunch of different testimonials right yep okay. exactly good. And on top of that, I'll add a couple th a couple things. So, of course, Google wants to make your job easier. So what they do is typically an, an out-of-the-box setting for the ad rotation is actually optimized for performance. 
what we have noticed is that it doesn't optimize based on the performance we want, at least for our clients, and which is you know the return ad spend, you know, and, and the uh, number of orders. So uh, what we recommend is changing that setting so you can actually show uh, rotate those ads evenly. So there's an actual split test, which is you know you send the same amount of traffic, uh, pronounce like like a third or half of the traffic to the same audience, and then you let the audience decide on and what their purchase behavior on what resonates best for them. So that's a, another interesting thing. Another interesting thing, which is which came out uh, last year in 2018, is Google started introducing auto ad suggestions. So what does that mean? For certain campaigns that they think will maybe, it makes sense to have, let's see, five ads, in some cases, three ads, and uh, they think that maybe, you know, a certain type of a headline will be better. Uh, they can automatically suggest th those ads for you. So in other words, they're going to write those ads for you. Well, not they, but essentially a robot. <laughs> right. And then if you don't pay attention to that, uh, within 14 days of those suggestions, if you don't review them and reject them, they will automatically apply them to your account. Uh <laughs> Yes. Oh so, my God. So there's a hidden uh, option in the your account settings where you can opt out of those suggestions. But if you forget that, make they, they actually typically label those uh, you know those ads uh, you know as an auto suggested ad. But be careful and at least watch for that, just in case you know you get a bunch of ads. I'm like, I did not write this. Like, or sometimes you know if, if you're managing this for clients, like. Who, who approved this ad? <laughs> no one. Uh, so you want to make sure that you monitor that and you you really you know turn turn it off if it doesn't make any sense. But uh, as as I mentioned before, they're trying to go towards kind of like the autopilot mode, well where the robot will actually make those suggestions for you. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That one. That one seems a little shady. Okay. We're uh, we're coming to the end of our time together. Well, we've gone a little long, but this has been very valuable. Um, Few few quicker questions for you. When setting up my my tracking, my revenue tracking, my attribution model, whatever you want to call it, um, for Google AdWords, in the past or currently uh, with Facebook ads, I just put in my pixel and I'm done. It's all set up correctly. They've mm -hmm. implemented that. It doesn't look like they have necessarily have the same thing for Google AdWords. At least based on the number of times clients have said, "Hey," or a client's ad agency has said, "Hey, get this Google conversion snippet in here," and then I got to go put the liquid in there and all that. Yes. Um, What's the, you, you mentioned there's a, an easy way to do this. What's the easy mode? So the easy mode and probably a correct mode, and, and uh, I think the reason why I think it, it's, it's a correct mode is actually figure out a, kind of like a third-party source where you can centralize all of the information too. So, and uh, I think at least, you know, at this point, I think that Google Analytics is the best uh, source to centralize all of your uh, store information because you know, you'll be running Facebook ads, you'll be running Google ads, you'll be running, let's say, Instagram ads, maybe Bing ads. Uh, you know, you'll have some SEO done, right? So you want to make sure that you track the like the, the complete performance of your ad, and you, you actually understand where uh, how you're acquiring customers, right? So the first thing that I recommend is integrating with Google Analytics directly, and Shopify has a really nice and easy way to integrate. Uh, you you know, right in within the preferences uh, of of your store, you can easily go ahead and uh, um, you know, add your Google ID, you know, then you can enable enhanced e-commerce shopping, right? And then it just integrates with uh, with that. Now, what you can do, which, uh, which is a really neat feature, you can actually import, you connect your 
Google Analytics within Google Ads, and then you can actually import all of the conversions and all of the data from Google Analytics directly into the Google Ads. So you actually don't need to install that extra snippet that you mentioned uh, you have, into uh, your, your Google Ads. You have just saved so much. You've saved future me so much time and shenanigans dealing with the stupid um, purchase uh, conversion snippet, whatever you want to call it. I think it yes. drives me nuts. Okay, last one I want to talk to you about. A thing I often see people miss is the ability to track phone sales or performance of um, uh, just pe customers calling in in general. And that's a feature in Google AdWords. Talk me through tracking phone sales. Okay, so so here's an in interesting one, and, and I'll share an example. Just uh, um, So recently we installed it... Uh, uh, for one client, and uh, they sell high-ticket products, right? So s part of their sales uh, come from, um, you know, uh, from from phones. Uh, pretty much like, you know, you get the person on the phone because, like, the product costs, like, you know, like two to, you know, $10,000 a piece. Right? Yes. So so in order to that, you know, like, somebody's not going to, like, add an item to, like, not everybody will add, a, like, a $10,000 item to their shopping cart and, and check out. <laughs> They're going to have a bunch of questions, naturally, Right. So what we have realized is that we should uh, track phone calls, and then when we did, uh, we we use a third party uh, third um, um, party company called uh, CallRail. So the, you can use Google's uh, call tracking feature, but I think that CallRail is better because you can actually listen to those phone calls. You can actually um, you know record them. You can actually apply different keywords. You can uh, it's almost like kind of like a mini CRM for phone calls. Hmm. And what we have realized is that um, a portion of those phone calls, after we listen to them, turn into sales. And then uh, within that, uh, actually, for that particular client, we uncovered about fifteen thousand a month of extra sales uh, just coming from phone calls. Whoa! So the, if they would not have done that, they would have said, you know what, you know, well, you know, we spend a bunch of money on Google Ads and nothing has converted. But in reality, those keywords, we now we know like which keywords actually drove those conversations that turned into sales. So it's kind of like a different side, you know, from from uh, you know from uh, the performance tracking perspective. So of course, one continue doing what you're doing, you know, tracking your transactions. But on the other hand, you know, if if the product is more complex, if it requires salespeople to talk about it, uh, make sure that you do uh, phone tracking um, or call tracking to be specific, and actually try to better understand that part because it's a completely different side, and you should be tracking additional sales from that perspective. And of course, now you can say, you know what, I'm going to bid more on that keyword just because I know that I can actually sell, like, you know an X number of, uh, you know, more dollars uh, from that keyword. What's one thing you wish every Shopify store, every merchant who is running Google ads right now, what do you want them to do? They're going to log, this episode ends, they log into their Google ads account, give them one task. Log to your, log into your account more often. <laughs> can That's... reporting be automated? Uh, well, reporting can be automated, but at the same time, sometimes it's, it's, it's important to, make sure that uh, you're checking a, a few key areas, which is uh, ensure that you're getting relevant traffic. So run some reports, ensure that you're, you're getting uh, relevant traffic. And I briefly shared, you know, some of the areas um, that, that I've shared. Um, and also, you know, as far as like the ad testing as well, because it's those two components are two big sides. So log in, make sure that you at least periodically check how well you're doing. Or if, you know, if you're working with an agency, uh, make sure that you go ahead and, uh, you know, get the reports or, you know, ensure that the agency can actually, uh, you know, uh, cover those areas for you. 
but ensure that those areas are not overlooked and uh, you're targeting relevant traffic and you're showing the appropriate ads for that uh, traffic. Tom, where can people go to learn more about you? Um, the best way to learn about me is uh, probably you can go on my website, uh, scoobmarketing.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. All right. I will link to both of those in the show notes. Tom, thank you. That was excellent. Thank you. One final note before we go. I wanted to remind you about the one Shopify theme my agency has used more than any other. It's called Turbo by Out of the Sandbox. And as its name implies, it's built for speed. But that's not why I love it. I love it because it's the most configurable, feature-packed theme for Shopify today. Features like predictive search, easy mega menus, infinite scrolling collections, and a ton of page templates. Calling it a theme doesn't do it justice. I think of it as a rapid prototyping tool for Shopify stores. And I've got a special offer for you. You can get it today at a 20% discount when you use the code PODCAST20. You can even try it for up to two weeks, and if you don't love it, Out of the Sandbox will give you a full refund. To check it out now, go to ethercycle.com slash turbo and use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's ethercycle.com slash turbo. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, the unofficial ShopifyPodcast.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including some details you might have missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them, and thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, and produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.